Isn't it great to be alive? Yes. I tell you what, it beats being dead every day of the week. Well, I know, be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. But I mean, I can't tell you about that yet because I actually haven't quite experienced that yet. But right now, it's great to be alive every day, you know. And uh, I thank God for a wonderful wife. I just think if, if, if the folks she grew up with could have seen her this morning, they'd have kicked her out of church. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm not joking because she was raised in a Plymouth Brethren church uh, in the West Country of England. And then she met this crazy Pentecostal who said, God speaks to, you, to me. And she said, how do you know that? And I thought, is she even saved because she questions me? I mean, you know. And uh, yeah, I'm immensely grateful to God. Not a little bit of prou- proud as well, just because of what I see God doing. And I just want to say to you, when you pray for us, and I pray that you do, I trust that God puts us on your heart to pray for us. And you pray for Bridget especially every single day, every day. This is not a boast. This is a fact. Nick can confirm this. It's true. Every single day, Bridget speaks to scores of people online and they're going and they're hearing about Jesus. And today, actually, right now, please God, as far as we're aware, we know of somebody going not too far from here, a little place called um, Kenilworth that she this week spoke to and said, so why about, how about having given your life to Jesus, how about going to church this Sunday and to meet others like yourself? And actually, because every single day, it's our privilege to lead people to Christ and actually to tell them about a Savior who is more than enough for every situation. Isn't that great? So thank God for that. Thank God for that. And yeah, last week you met the next generation. They're not the next generation. They are the now generation, actually, to be honest. They're not going to become the next generation. As they said last night, if you ever watched the tennis last night, this is not the future. This is the now. And the now has come. So I, if that's the now, I must be like, really? You know, you know, how come dinosaurs still walk the earth? But that's a different story. But um, about three weeks ago, maybe three, maybe four weeks ago, um, Bridget and I, would we walk every night. We take about... Uh, uh, about six, seven o'clock at night, we try and walk a few kilometers. Um, and we've been doing that now for the last three years, I guess. Uh, and we've not missed a night, not because we're trying to be brave or whatever, but we just, it's part of our discipline. And so we go walking and talk. And uh, part of the reason we do it is because I try to help, you know, at the end of the day, just to, uh, in doing that, for us to talk and maybe go through some of the stuff Bridget's been dealing with online because she's dealing with suicides and abuse and drug issues and folks writing in all of them needing Jesus but actually coming with a whole lot of baggage and so it's a good time to defrag for those that are IT you know kind of say, okay let's just get rid of some of the stuff and let's declutter your mind and so on because at the end of the day happy wife happy life right okay <laughs> all the men said amen. amen okay and all the women said what are you talking about okay um so kind of <laughs> Hey, listen, you don't get as old as I am without having learned a few things, let me tell you. And Bridget said something to me which, you know, listen, sometimes God can speak through a donkey. Now, I'm not suggesting my wife's a donkey, but, but, you know, it was kind of that, one of that kind of like, really? And, and, And it was God saying, get that. Now, and Bridget said this, she said, if I could just invite Everybody I spoke to today, to a place where I could take them to a body of believers who believe what I believe, I know, I'm not exaggerating what you said, I know I would lead every single one of them to Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. I don't know of anybody in this room, and if I'm wrong, you can correct me afterwards, who speaks to more people every day about Jesus, but in doing so is sworn at, and language which most of us would run away from is used against her, calling her everything, that if I met that person in the street, I would really like to lay hands upon them without prayer. Okay. And yet she's saying, if I could just take them to meet the believers, meet them to a place. And it got me thinking. And then last Sunday, I was sitting over there. That's a very blessed seat over there, by the way. Uh, or maybe the seats moved. Yeah, but, it, uh, but that's... Uh, anyway. And I was reading this. 
Because that's what God's been speaking to me about for the last few months, really, and the last few weeks. Now, I'm going to do something I don't do easily or lightly because it does take a bit of time. But I'm going to read an entire chapter from the book of Matthew, which includes that verse. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 16 in its entirety. Not because I don't have a lot to say, and I'm glad that 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 clock is there. Um, I'd have preferred a calendar, actually, but that's fine. Uh, but, you know, you know, breakfast is at 8 in the morning, I'm told. <laughs> you know what they say, any man that thinks by the inch and speaks by the yard should be kicked by the foot. Um, Matthew chapter 16, if you've all got it, I'm going to read it to you, okay? The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but cannot uh, interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. By the way, if you understood anything about that, you understand anything that you understand, he's opening the door there to something which is unbelievably important. Then he goes and said, when they, when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed amongst themselves and said, is it because we didn't bring any bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets full you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets full you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I'm not talking about bread? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm not going to say anything about that this morning, but actually that's a key verse in this chapter 16. The teaching of the law keepers and those who say there's no eternity, there's no life, there's no resurrection. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked His disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, what do you say? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, there it is, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples. I want you to understand this. Listen carefully and know what he's saying. From that time on, he began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and the teachers, Pharisees and Sadducees, of the Lord, that he must be killed and on the third day he'd be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This should never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? And what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth. Some standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. Let's pray for a minute. 
Father, we want to thank you that we are in this place at this time for a greater purpose than this hour or so we're together. Thank you that your kingdom and the church that you've come to establish, that Jesus, you speak about in the banner in front of me and behind us, and you talk about all the things that we would do. The church you're building is your church. It's your church. Holy Spirit, breathe life into what we're going to say this morning. Release faith through what we receive, and then give courage, I pray, that the act of obedience will follow the courage we have to be fulfillers of the word and not just hearers of it. That we'll become doers of it and not just hearers of it, we pray. We long to see, Father, in this day and age, the revelation of the sons of God amongst the nations of the earth by the presence and by the activation of your Holy Spirit. We love you. We are absolutely astounded by the grace that you have given that we could be called the sons of God through faith in Jesus. And deserving as we may have been, through Christ you have made us become joint heirs and recipients of eternal life through Christ. Wow. That's just amazing. We thank you for that this morning. Father, for those watching on Zoom, those in this room, those that you're already trying to reach through us and perhaps we are living in the comfort zone of our own spiritual economy, I pray that your Holy Spirit will become that impellent that will drive us forth into the world to share the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard somebody say this week, and that really kicked something into my kind of, okay, I get that. He said, isn't it amazing that Jesus can save us from the gutter, and yet it's great difficult to get us out of the armchair? Now, that will preach, but I'm not going to do that right now. Isn't it amazing that Jesus can lift the fallen out of the deepest depths, but it's a very difficult thing for to get us to actually get us out of the armchair. So I want to talk to you this morning about something that, um, and in... 40 plus years of preaching, I've never actually quite preached it this way, so bear with me if my kind of meanderings at times look like I'm even just disseminating truth for myself, because I think it's, 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 it's an amazing thought that God's begun to birth my life. By the way, Bridget and I, I turned 67 in November, and uh, I technically am a retiree, um, so this is what retired looks like. It's about as good as it's going to get. But I'm looking forward to just seeing how God begins to begin to activate what Bridget and I both feel. We, we have a sense of call to begin to say to the church, okay, it's time to become more than just the comfort zone or the Sunday meeting place. I'm tired of Christians forming holy huddles. Um, I'm tired of us just thinking, well, you know, it's okay as long as we gather together, uh, love tea, love scones, love coffee, and all that sort of stuff. But actually, to be honest with you, where's the footfall of the fallen? How do we do that? Uh, what's it about if we don't make it about that? Anyway, but I'm not going to digress from now because, like I said, this could go on for a long time because it's the teaching of what Jesus began to do. He took three and a half years, and I've got about 30 minutes. That's not fair, really. But Jesus said, I will build my church. Okay. It strikes me as very, very significant that when I, if I was to say to you, okay, give me that scripture. And I said to you, all right, what does Jesus say? On this rock, I will build my church and, and the gates. We often focus on the gates of hell and forget that actually Jesus' emphasis was not the gates of hell, but the ownership of his church. I want to say that again. The emphasis of Matthew 16, Arvel and, is not the gates of hell. It's the ownership of his church. And we become so obsessed with the binding and loosing. And by the way, I believe all that. I write about that every month. I write prayer letters to thousands of, of people around the world, apparently. So, you know, I believe all that. But 
the message is not about how we destroy the gates of hell. The message is how do we demonstrate we are the church? How do we live the church life? You see, there's a lot of things that God wants to do, but He's going to only do them through the vehicle that demonstrates that the kingdom of God is real, which is the body of Christ, which is His church, called the ecclesia, which is the called out ones, not the called in ones. I love the church, that I've, a few of them actually that I've visited, that the exit sign over the door of the church at the end of the service says, the mission field starts there. It's not the called in one, it's the called out ones to be those who go out in the name of Jesus. Jesus does not stand on the shoulders of the Old Testament to validate who He is. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He predates the Old. He actually postdates the New. He is the Eternal One. And He says, I will build something which doesn't stand upon something else, but actually stands uniquely on Me. Now, if you read Matthew 16 as a chapter, and by the way, we've put the chapters in just because it makes it easier for us. So you've got to read actually one through to the very end to understand the book. But if you read 16 just for the sake of articulating thought and understanding what Jesus is saying, you begin to discover that there's a number of conversations starting with the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they say, we want to see a miraculous sign. And Jesus said, I'm not going to give you one. And then Jesus is actually saying to the disciples, listen, be careful about the teaching that begins to encapsulate what it says is religious order. I'm not going to give you one. And then Jesus says, but by the way, in all of this, who do you say I am? And they say, well, you know, kind of let's, maybe you're a prophet. And he, he says, well, you, maybe you're standing on the shoulders of Elijah. Or maybe Moses. By the way, if you look at the transfiguration, at the end of the transfiguration, only one person was left. No person was left save Jesus. Why? Because he doesn't stand on the shoulders of the others. He stands as the, uns, as the supreme, the surpassing glory of everyone. And he stands before Abraham was as I am. So Jesus actually says, so who do you say I am? And the disciples, oh, well, you know, not surely really. Maybe John the Baptist, although well, no, kind of it's a bit soon for him to come back from the dead already. Kind of, no, maybe Elijah, I'm not sure. Oh. Don't look quite like Elijah. I kind of think he had a longer beard. I'm not sure. Maybe one of the other prophets. And then Peter actually says, I know who you are. You're the anointed one. Jesus said, well, Peter, not bad for a fisherman. Fancy that. You got it. Hey, Peter, you're beginning to see something that is beyond human understanding. The Pharisees and Sadducees don't get it. You bunch didn't understand it because you still think it's about bread and yeast and all sorts of stuff and so on. Or what you should eat and not eat and what you don't get it. Some of you think I'm standing on the shoulders of the Old Testament. Don't get it. But I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to build my church. Now, 2,000 years ago, I don't know whether it was Roman soldiers or Jewish recruits, forced labor, began to dig a foundation. They dug a hole in the ground. Wasn't very big, but was big enough. And then they said, okay, right, bring it over here. And they brought a cross and they shoved it in the hole in the ground. And on that cross hung a man. Naked, exposed, and the world said, he's over, it's done. He couldn't even, he saved others, he can't even save himself. Call Elijah, maybe he'll set you free. Nothing happened. Doesn't stand on the shoulders of Elijah. 
He stands and he sits on the throne of eternity. And he hung on a cross. And then there was a thief who looked at him and said, I don't know about you, to his fellow thief. He said, but I see something in this man that is not like I've seen in anybody else before. I've seen religion. I've seen politics. I've seen social convention. I've seen trends. I've seen antagonism. I've seen war. I've seen murder. I've seen thieving. But I've never seen this before. He's not like us. Be merciful to me. Remember me. And in that hole in the ground in which a cross was placed, upon which a man hung, a door was opened. A door that Jesus said he is and he always will be. And anyone who comes through me will find pasture, will find peace, will find hope, will find rest. And this thief who should have died the death of an outcast becomes the first member of the called out ones. Today, you're going to be with me. Me? Are you serious? Yeah, I want to tell you how much and how serious I am. I want to tell you how welcome you are. I want to tell you how wide the door is. Let me demonstrate it to you. And let me speak over you what actually you need to hear. Father, forgive them. I will build my church. Come on, guys. Don't waste God's time. I was going to say waste my time. My time is not worth computing. Don't waste my time with religious convention at the expense of eternal purpose. And from that cross, he calls to you, to me, to as many as would put their faith in him. Because as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so he is lifted up upon a pole upon a cross and the curse becomes the cure because those who should have been a curse because they were hung on a cross now become the cured because the blood of Jesus Christ God's son has cleansed us from all sin and we are recipients of something and actually we are brought into a household of which we had no right to be a part you can join a church but you can't join this church you have to come through the door and his name is Jesus. Some months ago when I preached on Zoom, I think it was the time before the last time, or the time before the last time was the last time. I'm not sure when it was, because I don't know how many times it was on Zoom. But uh, I made a statement then, and I believe it even more now than I did then. I do not believe in multi-faithism. Not in the slightest. Now I'll tell you why. I'm not against people. Not at all. But faith will never save you. Now that's going to shock you. But it's faith in a person that saves you. So we say, oh, let's have a multi-faith convention. It's like having a multi-rope convention that's not attached to the anchor. Every tide of change, every wind of change, every doctrinal change will push it around. And you become like flotsam and jetsam in the ocean of life going nowhere because you have no structural hold. But the foundation of our faith is Christ. He is the cornerstone. Now listen, my dad used to build churches when I was a kid growing up. He used to plant churches all over Africa. Long before I actually knew how to preach, I watched a man preach who I wish I could preach even remotely like I heard him preach at times. And my dad used to say this. He said, I'm sick and tired of walking up to fancy buildings that have a cornerstone that says, this stone was laid by Pastor Arvel Lowe to the glory of God. Now, he didn't lay a stone, by the way. I mean, that, but you know what I'm talking about. And actually, and here's the claim to fame. Have you seen the church 
that I built. Come on. Don't look at me like that. I'm not your mother. Have you seen the church I built? Isn't God lucky to have me? Oh, happy day. God got my choice. And the ownership of the church shifted. Even by, listen, I was raised in church. I don't know any time in my life that I've been out of church longer than, other than through COVID. Because I used to go to church even when I didn't want to. Because my parents made me. I fell asleep in church more often than I could stay awake. But I went to church. I was resting in God, but I went to church. But the purpose of church is not the building. We know that. But it's also not, dare I say it, Sunday mornings. And we don't often know that. The purpose of church is that the manifest power and the purpose of God may be displayed through His body, which is the church, of which He is the head. And we need to understand that. Or otherwise, get this, we create institutions to give theologians a job or religious leaders a position and then we jack them up as high as we can because we give them a great sense of self-importance and then when they get giddy because of height phobia and fall off we say oh dear there's another leader that's fallen let me tell you something the church of Jesus Christ will never be under threat never never not Someday in the future, never. I know my sunny door works for open doors. It's believers in Christ who are in the front line of threat. But the church that they are part of is indestructible. The gates of hell will not be beaten then. They were beaten when the foundation was laid and the cornerstone was laid. And that cornerstone is Jesus. And because he's the cornerstone, we, according to Peter, are now being built into that as living stones, as a living testament, saying this is the church and the kingdom is manifest through us. You need to understand that. I will build my church, now, okay, time is gone, but listen to this. If Jesus is building his church, guess who the church needs to look like? Church has become, but should never have been, a personality cult. I'm sorry, and if that offends you, I'm glad. Because it is his church. He is the face on the church. Ever seen a face on a body? Maybe on a t-shirt. But then it's not the real face. But the face on the church is the face of Jesus. And the church of which he is the head is his church. It bears his face. It's his image. It is his mouth. It is his mind. It is his hearing. It is all about him. It's not about us. I hate to say this, but it's the truth. I sometimes say, God, I know it's not possible. Wow, I would love to be 30 years of age again because I was so stupid in some of the things I allowed myself to think were important. Sorry if you're 30 years of age. I'm sure you're not stupid. I was stupid. But you know what I'm talking about. But God, I just, oh. I want to sing songs about Jesus. I don't want to sing songs anymore about me. I only sing songs that says you're great. I love those. I don't know who chose the songs this morning, but listen, I'm glad you chose them because really, they really were songs right in heart with what I want to say this morning. 
It's all about him. It's about Jesus and so on. And actually, to be honest with you, I can tell instantly in a congregation, I don't know about you, when we start singing about Jesus, a congregation begins God conscious. When we start singing about us, we become gates of hell conscious, me conscious, oh, you know, poor me. Poor. Actually, sing about him, and I'll tell you something, the gates of hell will not prevail. He says, I have overcome, and you will overcome also. I got a page, three pages of notes. I've not read one of them. But that, that tells you I, should, I, I shouldn't bother doing what I do to, you know, for three weeks and writing stuff down. It's got to have his face, guys. It's got to have his acts. I've got a challenge for you guys, okay? I know I'm not in leadership here. So, by the way, let me say about leadership. When last have you been to a service conference, a servant conference? When last you seen a servanthood conference advertised? Let's, let's, let's start a new trend here. Okay. We're going to do a servanthood conference. Let's learn how to become more servanthood orientated rather than actually become leaders. Everybody wants to go to a leadership. Oh, I'm going to leader. I'm going to glow. I've been to so many leadership conferences. By now, I should be good. My wife will tell you, ain't learned much. I have learned how to make my bed, though. And I do make breakfast for the dogs every morning. So, you know. But how many servanthood conferences have you seen advertised recently? I haven't seen many. I really haven't seen. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen one. Maybe discipleship. Discipleship because it's actually, oh, yeah, how can, how can I have an easier life in the kingdom? How can I actually be me? But actually, but oh, be a leader. Oh, yeah. Five laws to become a great leader. There's one way to become a great servant. Just become like Jesus. <laughs> hey, Paul, come on. Just do what Jesus did. Carry his face around for a few days. See through his eyes for a few minutes. You know what? When we phone some churches and say, hey, brother, we, it's Oliver here. Sorry, who are you? Oliver. Never heard of you. Okay, that's fine, but that's okay. Listen, we're just servants to people who are looking for Jesus. Can we send them to your church? Phoned some guy up in North a few months ago, and uh, began to talk. He said, "Oh yeah, I know you. You used to do the singing and traveling around." I said, "By the way, I used to have speakers just like this." I stood there. I thought, "Oh, this morning I felt like a back in my ele- element." I almost grabbed the microphone and said, "Well, that's a one for the money." <laughs> but, but okay. well, that's that was the offering song, um, and. I said, listen, we got this person who's been writing to Bridget, and she's been talking to them two or three times, and we suggest they come to church. Can we send them to your church? It breaks my heart. It really does. Because very often, we know that person, and actually, they're problem people. Um, I found a church in London. Lovely brother. And I said, Pastor, we'd love to send somebody to church. Uh, it's, they sound like they could do with help. They live, literally checked online and checked from their uh, address and their postcode and said it, they're literally within walking distance of the church. Well, why do you want to send them to us? Because they need Jesus. Mm. Wow, well, listen, I don't have time to do that. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm too busy. Beware of the scribes and Pharisees. Beware of the Sadducees. Beware of the church that wears the face of a man and not the face of the Son of Man. I've got a challenge for you. I was going to say, I've got a challenge for you. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing? I'm not going to ask you to vote in this because you might kick me out, but I'm going to say to you to do it. To say, you know what, to be a member of this church, forget about your tithes. I'm not suggesting you do, by the way. But forget about your tithes. I'm not asking you whether you actually are prepared to serve, although it's a good idea, especially if you're going to make scones. <laughs> but be a member of this church. Love 
the lost. Heal the broken. And actually, we'll receive you to membership when you can bring somebody that you've led to Jesus and say, meet Paul. I've led him to Jesus. And I'd like him to be a part of what God's doing here. And I want to walk this journey with him. And can I be part of what God's doing here? Because actually, I've led him to Jesus. I think we've got it, with all due respect, so wrong at times. Because the first question we say, well, yes, we'd love to invite you. We'll give you the right hand of fellowship. Done all that. Like I said, I, listen, I can write the manual with you on church politics and policy. Are you prepared to submit to the leadership? Yes, I am. Are you prepared to take? Yes, I am. Will you? Yes, I am. Welcome to the body of Christ. Have you led anybody to Jesus in the last month? No, I'm not an evangelist. May the face of Jesus for a day. See the world through the eyes of Jesus on the cross for a day. And you'll turn to even the thief that's dying next to you and say, today, you're going to be part of what I'm part of. You're going to become a member of the thing I'm doing. It's going to change you forever. foundation of the church wasn't built in the valley of comfort it was built on the hill of sacrifice I could say a lot more but I'm going to stop there because I just sense it's a challenge that to be honest I don't know how many years left Bridget and I have to talk to church by the way, I preached in a church called The Rock the other day, and it wasn't here. Because actually, your name doesn't define you. It's his face that defines you. And I don't know how many years we'll actually have, and I said to God, I would just love to be able to go from church to church if you give us the next thing. And if, that, if that's the way we ultimately need to survive, to support ourselves, because... Everybody knows the needs and so on. That's fine. I don't care. But to wear the face of Jesus as often as we can, to go to the church that is his body as much as we can, to encourage them to be in every way they possibly can, more like him. What a gateway to eternity. Now, probably most of you won't want to do that, not because you're not, call to that or because you don't feel that that's what you're capable of doing because actually we all have to walk a journey in obedience to God for ourselves but you can wear the face of Jesus this week spoke to somebody yesterday in fact we went to watch football in Warwick with somebody from Warwick I spoke this morning our daughter was playing our granddaughter was playing football in in, in, in uh, Lemington Spa so we drove that way and and, and I sat next to a young woman who's my daughter's, Donna's friend, actually. And so she said, so what do you actually do? I said, well, now I'm going to surprise you. Because we've talked about everything by the kitchen sink. I said, I'm going to tell you, I'm a preacher of the gospel. I tell people about Jesus. Ooh. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, and I said, let me tell you why we do. I said, man, there's a lot of hurting people out there. And you know what? If I meet a hurting person, I just want to wear, I don't use these words, but I say the same thing in essence. You want to wear the face of Jesus and say, I can help you. I said, I talked to, Bridget doesn't even know this. I said, to, I said, and that lady over there, my wife works with me. We work for a Christian organization. So we don't, we don't ask people for money. We don't have to, fortunately, by God's grace. Nick, Bridget, myself are supported by one man's generosity to do the work we do. And as long as we work for CV, that will maintain. But there are others who are not, and they have to do differently. But I said, but for us, we don't have to do that. I said, but every single day, we tell people about Jesus every day. 
I said, you'd be surprised how many people ask for help. And rather than actually becoming dismissed, she said, wow, she said, that's an amazing thing to do. And I thought, you know what? One opens the door, another person will walk through it. She's Donna's friend. Maybe in a week or two, I was speaking to her dad about, you know, do you believe the same thing? Gotcha. <laughs> just wear the face of Jesus. You won't have to do it all, but just open the door. Yeah. I'll build my church. Has anybody heard anything this morning that's put some, such my, listen, if, if you, as Ryan used to say, and I love it when he used to say, he said, if you didn't enjoy my preaching, well, it's changed me anyway. And it's, I'll tell you what, it's, it's changed me. I'll tell you what, I'll build my church. By the way, when Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it, just a bit of insight. But I've been to anybody else been to Caesarea Philippi? Stood there, but where the, it's an amazing place. You ever get the chance to go to Israel? It literally is the headwaters of the Jordan, and actually it's a cove, and actually out of that spring is the, where the, the the Jordan or part partially the Jordan arises from, and it was actually very much a place where um, a, a kind of legend had it. It was the gates of hell because it was a very deep pit in this gorge. And they would take babies um, when there was child sacrificing and throw them over the top of the cliff into this place. And because it was so deep and because it was a, uh, like, a, a, like a spring, like a, like a chasm, the child would never surface because it would just get sucked into it. And so it was called the gates of hell. And so Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi and he says, Ooh, it's a terrible place. It's the gates of hell, right? So it was very much a, an in-story picture of his authority. But listen, he wasn't talking about that. He wasn't even talking about the ultimate triumph that we all say, well, when Jesus comes, he will, he will be the victor. He was talking about the fact that on that cross, in that foundation, that the cornerstone was laid for a new thing called his church, he won. Because in Matthew 28, 19, he says, therefore go into all the world. All, all authority is given me. I'm the one that has won. I've done it. You will have authority. Mark chapter 16, he says, and you'll lay hands upon the sick and they're going to recover. I've won. The gates of hell. The gates of hell. Now, that means that already the conquest is achieved. Paul says later, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. It doesn't mean that some of us aren't facing challenges now. But let me tell you, the challenge we're facing has already been defeated by him because the thing that the architect of your conflict has already been defeated. But the builder of his church says, it's done. It's done. It's done. And I want to just say to you today, he's building his church. And we are just stones being added to the wall, the structure of his church. He's the architect. He's the constructional engineer. He's the visionary. He's the cornerstone. He's the door. He's the invitee because he says, come in. He's the provider because his name is Jehovah Jireh. He's the roof. He's the lifter. He's the shelter. He's the banner. He's the everything. He is it. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me to give him structural support because he is it. He doesn't need us to give him status because of trend or fashion. He is it. Heaven and earth will pass away. He is it. It's his church and if you know him then you're part of his body which is his church of which he is the head and it's his face on the church let me ask you a question when you've come before and you've attended church has it been because you're coming to a religious activity or because you know the head? I was raised in church, and one day I realized I knew more about church than about the author and the finisher of my faith 
or the constructional engineer of the church. And at the age of 18, although I was singing in church and doing all sorts of stuff that was making me relatively famous, people came and said to me, oh, you know, you're going to be a great this and that. Some were saying, you're going to be this preacher and that preacher. And so I said, oh, well, great. Well, obviously, you know, in the church that I'm going to build, God's going to be famous because of me. God doesn't need me to make him famous. Get over yourself. And that young man who was told all those things, and that night came and said, God, I can't do this without you. Because unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. It's his church. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you may be sucked into what the religious leaders of the day, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, these guys saying, oh, well, we understand religion. This is it. This is how you play the game. But you don't know Jesus. You really don't know Jesus. And you know that. Listen, instantly I say that here. You know, I say, well, actually, he's nailed me there. He's, he's got it right. I don't know Jesus. Actually, I can do church good with the face of Anne and Arbor or others. I can actually, I can accommodate that quite nicely. Because actually, I can look like Arvel. doesn't matter. Because Arvel's just like me, right? But man, I'm never going to look like Jesus. Am I being too personal now? Is that okay? But today I want to be like Jesus. From the cross, which was the access point into his church, our arms extended so wide that even the thief could walk through the door and be saved. So can you. So can you. So can you. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and even the, I, though vile as he, can wash all my sins away. Some of you are thinking, I'm speaking in tongues now. No, no, it's not. that's an old hymn. Some of us used to sing when I was a kid. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. So can you. Are you part of his church? Or part of someone else's church. Let's pray together. So God, we oh, help us. Help us. We dare to believe for a revolution of thinking that moves us out of what we thought was made for me to moving into what was made by you. Move us away from the culture where we become so selfie-driven that everything is about me, the selfie me, into I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in him. If you are watching on Zoom and you don't know Jesus, I want to say to you right now, the door from the cross is open for you. You can come to Christ right now. Maybe you're sitting here, maybe it's not impossible. I've seen this happen many times that the Holy Spirit in something like this actually finally begins to connect with that thing that he's been trying to say with to people for years. And actually it's quite embarrassing. I remember leading a vicar to Jesus, not too, too far away from here, where he said to me, for 35 years I thought I was keeping man out of my life, and today I realize I'm keeping God out of my life. I'm part of the church, but not a part of his church. Scary thought, isn't it? Daniel said last week, you're going to get that stage where God, Jesus will say to you, sorry, I never knew you. I didn't actually, that, that never happened. The church. If you don't know that you know Jesus in the way that the scriptures explain to you, and you want to say to that today, God, I just want to say to you, I've received that revelation. And God, I want to be part of your church, whatever that looks like in me going forward. I just want to be part of that because I've never made that decision before. Then whether you're watching on Zoom, whether you're watching here, pray this prayer with me. After I've prayed it, if you want to let me know who you are by raising your hand, not, don't raise your hand now, then Pastor Anne, Arvel, others would love to be able to talk with you and help you as best as we can, not just to become part of their church, but become part of his church of which they've been given 
responsibility to pastorally serve it. Lord Jesus, thank you for the door that you are and that you've given through your death for us to enter into your body, your church, through the forgiveness of our sins and through the cleansing from the things which we thought were important to us but have no eternal value, to embracing the things that matter forever that are so important to you. Today, we want to be the church that wears the face of Jesus. Today, we want to be the people that Jesus himself is constructing, beginning to form to, beginning designed to, that is supernaturally engaged with the things that display your kingdom. So help us today. For those who right now are saying, I want to be a part of your church. I, I've known about your church. I've heard people talk about it. In fact, maybe I've even attended meetings called church without actually ever knowing I'm really part of your church, Jesus. Today, that's my decision. Help me to do that. If anyone's prayed that prayer in the, for the first time because you, God's spoken to you. I don't embarrass anybody. This is not a kind of, you know, let's count hands or heads because we try to achieve something. I just want to know that somebody here perhaps has made a decision today that is really important that we'd like to follow through on. If we can help you in any way, then that would be our privilege. So if you have prayed that for the first time online, let us know. Or in here to just maybe slip up your hand when I've seen it. Somebody can chat with you and help you. And if you've been coming here for years but actually never known this, don't be embarrassed. Peter saw it and yet missed it. Jesus had said to Peter, you're missing something here. You need to see it. And if God showed it to you, that's the grace of God at work to help us. So if you prayed that or you felt that this morning, you need somebody to chat. You, say, you know what? It's finally the, the penny dropped today, and I've made that decision. And Arvo, thank you again for the privilege. I'm highly honored. So, guys, we love you. We don't often see you, but if we do, understand one thing. All we're doing is doing what Jesus told us to do as often as we can. So God bless you.